0: That's BlueNile.com. God bless, everybody. I'm your host of OPP, Corey Cambridge. And before we get started with this amazing episode, I want to tell you about my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants is a podcast that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. Ever wondered who made the MTV logo? Did you know the person who wrote Earth, Wind & Fire's hit song, September? Also wrote the theme song for the hit 90s TV show, Friends? On Silent Giants, we learn more about these amazing people and dig deep to learn more about their most famous works. Be sure to check out Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Now, let me introduce you to our special guest of OPP.
1: Hi, I'm Erin alman Updike. And I'm Aaron Welsh. And we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You. And this is OPP <laughs>
0: God bless, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of O-P-P. Other People's Podcast highlights America's top podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guests this episode are Aaron Welsh and Aaron Allen Updike, hosts of the amazing show, This Podcast Will Kill You. Okay, this podcast may not actually kill you, but it covers so many things that can. Each episode tackles a different disease from its history to its biology. And finally, how scared you need to be. Both ecologists and epidemiologists, Aaron and Aaron make infectious disease acceptable fodder for dinner party conversation and provide at the end of every episode the perfect cocktail recipe to match. In our interview, we learn more about the Aaron's. They help me understand more about COVID-19. We get their podcasters picks. And of course, we get into their dope show. This podcast will kill you. So, Without further ado, allow me to introduce you to Aaron and Aaron. Now we're smooth sailing. Yo, what's up, Aaron and Aaron? What's popping?
2: Hey, hi.
1: (laughs) Yo, yeah. How y'all doing? It's all right. It's all right. Pretty all right. Hanging in there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I understand the sentiment. I mean, 2020 has been a crazy year. We were talking before we were rolling about how crazy of a year it's been. How you guys been doing?
2: I think it's just sort of like at a You know, at the same time, it feels like so much time has passed, but then also time passes like in the blink of an eye. So it's I'm just sort of trying to take it day by day and like, okay, what's happening this week? And then not think about the future, because then it turns into the snowball of like, oh, God, what's going to happen in the future?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm lucky if I can get day by day. I go like hour by hour. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, absolutely. Were you guys both uh, in Chicago when this all took place and transpired?
1: I was
2: actually in Phoenix when the pandemic was declared a pandemic. And then I headed back to Chicago. I was out there visiting family and then I headed back shortly after. And so was there for like the full lockdown situation in Chicago.
1: And I've been in my house in Champaign, which is like two and a half hours south of Chicago for this whole time. I haven't left.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Being that you guys work, you know, kind of in this arena, You know, when you first heard of COVID-19, were there any, I don't know, were were you paranoid about it just from hearing about it from the the initial jump or was there any inkling that this was going to be big or were you just as surprised as everybody else at how big this became?
2: I think it was a little bit of both. So when the pandemic or when, when COVID first emerged it was, you know, a lot of people had been asking us, you know, what do you think about it? Is this going to be the next big pandemic? And we were like, well, we don't really know this is, even though this is our area of study, we don't ever feel qualified to answer any questions, which is just imposter syndrome times a thousand all the time. And so then we Mm -hmm. asked other people, you know, researchers at Emory University, you know, what do you think this could be, what are the things we need to be worried about? And at the very beginning, there was a sense of, you know what, the US, the CDC has been practicing for an event like this, preparing for something like this for as long as they've been an institution. And so we should be fine given that we have the equipment for this and this and this, but those things that were, you know, we had, we thought were quote given weren't actually Givens. We didn't have the testing capabilities. Contact tracing proved to be incredibly difficult or even not that effective in reducing the cases. And so I think it was what we were surprised by, was maybe, or I'm speaking for both of us, but what I was surprised by sort of was this infrastructural failure in terms of we could have maybe had this under control and then at so many different steps it fell apart.
1: Yeah. It was very, I think for me, it was very surreal to kind of watch it unfold because on our podcast, literally since our very first episode, we've been talking about the fact that we haven't seen a pandemic like, for example, the 1918 flu in a hundred years, but that it was only a matter of time. And so we knew that intellectually, that like, of course a pandemic could happen again, but to really see it actually unfold it was very surreal especially sort of at the beginning to be like wow we're living through this this is really happening we don't have it under control
0: yeah for me i had no idea about obviously covid has you know raised my antennas about a lot of things uh, in the world that i, I would have known about i didn't know anything about uh, a disease ecologist or an epidemiologist so for for folks who are just like me can you explain like what your job title is and what that means?
2: Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, an epidemiologist is simply st- someone who studies the patterns of disease in a population. And uh, we mm-hmm. both, both Aaron and I, have uh, our masters in epidemiology. And so, before we started doing disease ecology, we went to school and we learned about okay, you know, how do we do contact tracing? How do we determine whether there's an outbreak or not? And how do we try to stop that outbreak? And then for me, I became interested in disease ecology, which is where we look at interactions between disease and the environment and how the environment plays a role in the spread of disease. I became interested in that by studying parasites. And so as a disease ecologist, during my PhD, I researched ticks and how ticks respond to different temperatures and different humidities and different seasons and different forest types throughout the year in Panama as a way to try to say, okay, well, if we know that a tick species is present here at this time, then how does that impact the risk of disease to people? So it's sort of like making sure that you include the natural world in your study of disease.
1: Yeah. So similarly, like Erin said, I did my master's in epidemiology and then my PhD research was in kind of both ecology and epidemiology. And so we both kind of look at disease from a sort of one health approach, which is this kind of buzzword. But it basically means just looking at animal health, human health, and environmental health and recognizing that they're all interconnected, essentially, which I think we're kind of seeing play out right now in terms of the COVID pandemic.
0: Yeah, thank y'all for breaking that down, because it was definitely those job titles where you're like, yo... I know your parents. I know your parents are proud. <laughs> yeah, I told my mom I was going to be a rapper, and she was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> but epidemiologist, she's like, "Yeah, that's I like that. I like the sound of that." Yeah, what have you guys learned from this COVID crisis about yourselves?
2: Mm, that's a good Ooh, question. Good question. Gosh. I may think about that for a second. I think, <laughs> uh, I think you know, one of the things that I've learned or really recognized is because there's nothing for me to do besides like work and be at home. And what am I? You know, I try to learn what what drives me to keep working and what my patterns of work are. Like, how do I be most efficient? And so for me, it's like I really do a bad job of doing. A, like a period of incredibly intense, manic, almost work. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm out for like five days. I can't do any of this. But I think just like listening to those patterns, I don't know. I feel like I just kind of like I before this before the pandemic, I had been working from home already. And so it didn't feel like as big of a jump for me. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not that much of a social person. I don't necessarily mind like all of the hustle and bustle, but now I'm like really craving a little bit of, I don't know, social interaction.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready to turn up.
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like what are the what are the end of covid parties going to be like? I don't know, but I think it's going to be a disaster.
1: <laughs> Gosh, what did I learn about myself? So when the lockdown first started, I was actually doing clinical rotations as part of my I'm in the MD PhD program, so I'm still doing like my medical degree right now. I'm still in med school. And at first, I was like I want to be there. I want to help. I want to be in the clinic. I want to be doing something. And it was really frustrating to feel like I was useless and not being able to be helpful. And it took actually several conversations that we had with uh, people that we interviewed for our COVID series to kind of, you know, recognize what are other ways that I could be helpful when as you know you don't have to be the person on the front line treating patients to be helpful in a crisis like this and so i think feeling useful in making our podcast was something that really helped me kind of get through especially the first months and weeks of locked weeks and months of lockdown just sort of feeling like i could contribute in some way was really helpful for me so i don't know if that's something i learned but like i need to feel like i'm doing something i think
0: Yeah. Yeah. What about in terms of humanity? Has there anything that's, that shocked you as far as the human reaction to this overall?
2: I think sadly, no, only because (laughs) only because, so I, I do the, the history portion of our podcast and in, you know, in the, the years that we've been doing this, I've had the opportunity to read a lot about how humanity tends to almost consistently fail at being good during times of crisis. And it ends up being, I mean, and there are, of course, like shining examples of, you know, complete, self-sacrifice and, you know, very like, okay, well, we're going to do the right thing this time. But overwhelmingly, a lot of that is completely undermined by the actions of people who just want to blame, who want to use a situation like this to their own exploitative advantage, to make money, to, you know, further uh, whatever cause that they're, you know, unethical cause that they're putting forth. And so, you know, when we look at things like the president tweeting about not wearing masks and how like we shouldn't wear masks and how that's become even a public health matter like that has become politicized is so disappointing, but it's not surprising. Like it's just sort of like reaffirming the fact that we have not the right person at all in charge of what's going on. And that so many, you know, we can use other countries examples of like, this is what we could have been doing. This is where like, I think I just keep coming back to the fact that people refuse to wear a mask as like, you're taking my rights away when it's like, how is that hurting you when the act of not wearing a mask could be hurting literally dozens and hundreds of people around you? Like, it's so disappointing.
0: Aaron and Aaron for president. <laughs> president and VP. Oh, God. Co-president.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> nope. Although we'd have great public health infrastructure, I will say. <laughs> How about you, Aaron?
0: I would love to get your take as well.
1: So, I in my heart of hearts, I'm really an optimist. And so it's been very difficult not just during this COVID pandemic, but kind of throughout our podcast. I never paid much attention in history classes growing up, and so really learning It's very difficult to be an optimist in the face of humanity and our many, many shortcomings. And so I think I really try hard to hold on to that just to keep my own sanity and find like the little, like Aaron said, the shining moments of people doing the right thing. And like, what are the kind of moments that we can look to as like a silver lining? Is there anything that we can hope might be better in the future? So that's kind of how I've tried to get through this. Because otherwise, it's just really easy, I think, to spiral into like nihilism and what's the point of it all, you know?
0: Yeah. Before we get into the break, my last question is, you know, I discovered this podcast through the COVID crisis. And um, you guys touched on many things, such as many aspects of how the disease is affected our lives, whether it's schools, the economy, or whether it's mental health? Is there, amongst many other aspects as well, uh, is there a particular aspect that you worry about the most from this disease?
1: I think for me, it's the, the massive amount of social disparity. I think that this pandemic is highlighting just how great the social disparities already are, not just in our country, but across the world. And so I guess in a silver lining, what I hope is that people are recognizing that these sort of structural inequalities have existed forever, and they're causing these massive discrepancies in who's getting sick and who's having the most mortality in, in everything that has to do with this pandemic. It's people are being disproportionately affected whether it's because of their skin color whether it's because of their economic status like and these are the same populations that have always been at risk but we're just seeing it exacerbated so i think that's the thing that both makes me most concerned but also makes me hope that we can recognize and try and fix those inequalities moving forward yeah i definitely agree with that and it's it's frustrating
2: because you know this is something that it's not like this pandemic is bringing this to light for the first time. Like this has been known about for hundreds of years that there are like your your health is is a direct result of of your living conditions and who you are and how you're being and how you're treated. And so it's really f- deeply frustrating that it's like this is still happening even though we have the capability to change it and we have the knowledge and the long long-standing knowledge to have recognized it. I think the other thing that we didn't really focus too much on directly with the series, but that is a result of the series, is just public health communication and science communication and how there's a challenge in getting information to, like, getting the correct information, factual information, and then to ensure understanding. Uh, That's been clearly like clearly a big challenge. And I think, you know, going back to the masks again and having people understand really what is the purpose of a mask and how to wear a mask and when to wear a mask and, you know, pulling your mask down to talk to someone that you run into on the street undermines the whole purpose of a mask, like, which is what you see. And so I think it just sort of, that is, that's one of the things that's really been exposed is, a fundamental lack of of understanding, which is challenging, because I think science maybe maybe this will cause us to rethink how we teach science in schools, and I think it's also uh, further being undermined when people in positions of power, uh, who are supposed to be leaders are not following scientific principles and outright, like, just dismiss the, the science behind some of these measures. And that does a whole lot of damage. And of course, in a situation like this, it's so much easier to cause damage than to undo it or build it back up.
0: Aaron and Aaron, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into your podcast. This podcast will kill you. And guys, we are back. Okay, so I got to ask, how did you guys first discover the medium of podcasting?
2: I think my first podcast was Radiolab, which maybe explains a lot about what I like about, like, the research behind our our podcast, I guess. Sort of this disparate stories and putting together one big picture. But some of the early episodes of Radiolab, I just became obsessed. And I remember I would like download them all into my computer and work way later than I had to, just because I wanted to keep listening to these episodes. I was a binge listener back in 2013.
1: I was a latecomer to podcasts. I actually used to make fun of my husband for listening to podcasts like a lot, which is very funny. But the first podcast I ever listened to was season one of Serial. And then I think I became hooked. And I think probably Radiolab was one of the next ones that I just, during field work and lab work, would just pop it in and just binge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because my next question is like, how would y'all meet? Because like <laughs> your names are the same and you have the same exact like majors and professions. So yep. when y'all mm-hmm. like met, like please tell me the story of how, how this all came together.
1: <laughs> We're
2: basically the same person. <laughs> we have we... <laughs> like five differences between us. I think is that it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like grape flavoring. No, thank you. She loves it. Um, what else? That's that's mostly it.
0: <laughs> Are all your boyfriends or husbands named Tom? <laughs>
1: If only. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, and we met for.
2: I think it's not. It's not that exciting of a story, maybe. Unfortunately, but we met, and it makes sense because we we met in the same lab. We were both part of the same lab at the University of Illinois, and so we both worked with the same professor on disease ecology. I ended up working on ticks in Panama. Aaron ended up working on kissing bugs in Panama, but like. I think literally from the first moment when you walked in, you're like, oh, hi, I'm Erin. And I'm like, I'm Erin. And then we were like, okay. And then I guess we're best friends now. So it was yeah, instant. It was basically.
1: it was automatic. I came in because Erin started a year before me. Uh, and so I came in like, you know, the new girl and I was like, so nervous. Like, Hi, I'm Erin. I heard you're also Erin. And then she was like, great. We're going to happy hour. You have to come. <laughs> and then we were just The most annoying, inseparable, like, from that moment forward. Super annoying. (laughs) So
0: so from from the happy hour, like, how did you guys come up with the idea of wanting to do a podcast?
2: This was, so we met in, what, 2013. And then I think it was four years later, which Mm -hmm. was four years of, like, you know, sometimes grueling field work, sometimes you know, not so grueling lab work. Whatever, all of this like deeply buried into the scientific lingo of whatever we were studying and writing the same grants over and over again, and
1: <laughs> getting rejected, getting over rejected, and over not again. being able to
2: use the word <laughs> "I" in like any of these like papers or grant grant writings. And we had spent a whole summer going to these scientific conferences, being like. Well, and then here you can see on the graph, this and this and this, like just pretty dry and boring and really important stuff, of course. Uh, But we were like, God, when was it fun? Like, what did we love about disease, like studying disease and learning about this? And we talked about like, oh, I don't even remember exactly how it happened. But we were talking about our favorite podcast at the time, which was My Favorite Murder. Uh, We were deeply buried into, into listening to that, which was so fun. And one of us said, well, we should do a podcast. And then it was like, no, no, we can't do a podcast. That's not. <laughs> it was like, oh, we, sh- we should. We should do <laughs> It was <podcast."> like, what <laughs> would we even do it
1: about? And then it was disease. Disease. Was it obvious? Because it's all we ever talked about between the two of us anyways. And so then once we kind of realized, like, you know, there's a lot of people who listen to podcasts who love murder shouldn't they also love disease? They just don't know they love (laughs) disease yet. (sighs) And like, no one was really making disease podcasts for the general public. There was like medical heavy podcasts about disease, but not really ones about like geared towards a general audience. And so we kind of just thought, let's, Let's make that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then the next thing that fell in line was the quarantini, which kind of sealed the deal. Like mm-hmm. once we came up with the quarantini yeah. like idea or concept, it was like, well, now we have to do it. Like we're locked in. There's <laughs> yeah, but,
0: like might drop. <laughs> yeah. The podcast exactly. might drop. Yep. <laughs> Yes. You know what? So, so for folks who haven't had a chance to listen to your podcast, I'm, I'm sure by now they have a feeling of, of what the show is obviously about. But I want to tell, get it from your perspective of what is the show? Give us the elevator pitch of uh, what your podcast is all about.
2: It's the show about the biology, history and current status of disease. So we start each episode with a firsthand account. Uh, sometimes it's like a diary entry. Sometimes it's a real human who has lived through whatever disease we're talking about or witnessed it. And then Erin breaks down the biology because she's got this amazing medical background and an ability to explain the workings of proteins that I have no, absolutely no ability (laughs) to do. Uh, And then I love to tell the history of the disease. So whether it's talking about the Black Death and how it, you know, ravaged a huge proportion of Europe or something like smallpox or something like Giardia, which is Not as deadly, but still has a fun history. And then we kind of wrap it up by talking about, okay, what's the current status? You know, what's the research that's currently being done? And uh, do we need to worry about this or not? And then, of course, I forgot the crucial thing, Erin, which is...
1: Every episode we drink a quarantini. So we make a drink that's themed with hey, our episode. Yeah. We've been we've been doing it since 2017. <laughs> so long before yeah. COVID times.
0: So. I love a good quarantine. <laughs> so I always say with podcasting that podcasting does two things really, really well. It enhances the brand you've already built for yourself, or it allows you to build the brand or build the perception around the brain you want to build for yourself. Uh, how has this podcast helped you guys professionally in your career?
2: That's a great question. I think before we started doing the podcast, I all I really knew or my sense of science communication was strictly limited to like, oh, well, you know, go to the museum and work with like do a day when the kids come and show them different exhibits. And that sort of like very, you know, hands on small level, small scale uh, scientific communication. And I didn't really think much beyond that. I, of course, loved the books of like Mary Roach and I loved Ed Yong's writings. And but I was like, oh, well, that's that's journalism. Like I can't do that kind of thing. And then when we started doing this, I realized, like, this is the most, this is my dream job. Like, I never planned it. I never thought that this would be possible. But what I always said growing up was, like, if I could just read books for a living, that's all that I would want to do, period. And that's what I do. (laughs) So in a way, it's like, it's really helped me to articulate what it is that I like about what I'm currently doing, you know, with the podcast and how I want to, you know, transform that into a lifelong career, ideally.
1: Yeah. I used to want to be Bill Nye growing up. That was my career goal. But then I didn't know that that was a real thing. And I was like, well, I love science, so I'm going to be a shark biologist. And then it turned into a parasitologist. And then it somehow turned into like a doctor, which is still weird, but fun. And so this is kind of like me living out a little part of that dream, which is something like Aaron said, I never actually thought that I would get to do, but it's so fun. And it's so incredibly satisfying because, you know, we both did master's in public health and it's very difficult in public health, well, it was at least maybe before the pandemic, to get people to care about public health. And so back in 2017, especially when, you know, it seemed like nobody really cared about public health, when we had people saying, hey, we got a flu shot because we listened to your podcast, that was... I mean, it was everything I could have ever hoped for in terms of a career, in terms of kind of helping public health, like furthering the mission of public health. So it's been really incredible to be able to reach as many people as we've been able to reach with this podcast.
0: Yeah, I, I often like make a joke, like at my job, like telling folks like, yo, no one grew up wanting to be a podcaster. We're all kind of like discovering this like in real time. Like, hey, this is like, this is the new, the new <laughs> thing. They're going to be kids now that are going to grow up Want to be podcasters? Yeah, have, do you guys see yourselves more as health experts now, or more as podcast experts now?
1: I think we have such imposter syndrome that we have trouble seeing ourselves as experts in anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, drop, drop, experts. <laughs>
1: <in>. <laughs> yeah, that's well put. Oh.
0: Health professionals or podcast professionals. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'll say for me, actually, that's one thing that I, that I get a little nervous and concerned about in terms of the podcast, because, you know, during grad school and during, you know, I'm in medical school still, it was very easy to just see myself as a podcaster, a science communicator, but I'm sort of transitioning in my other professional career to a health professional. And so I think trying to make sure that I'm balancing those in how i'm presenting. And and one thing that we always have done from the beginning is try and present the most factual information that we can and we cite all of our sources and when we get things wrong, which we do, we correct ourselves, you know, when people email us to say, "Hey, you got this wrong." We correct it. And so i think that's kind of how we try and bridge our, you know, scientific and health backgrounds with this science communication role, which i think all good science communicators do a really good job of trying to present as sort of scientifically valid data as we can.
2: Yeah, I don't see myself really as as either. I mean, I think part of it is because since I'm no longer in or never really had a big role in like the health professional arena, even though I do like public health communication and scientific communication, that's really what I see myself more as. And the reason I do see myself as a podcaster, but by no means an expert, I think because I do such a bad job. Well, first of all, like I still use audacity, which like I know gets like people <laughs> laugh at. They're like, oh my God, how do you, how do you, oh. And I, I know because I'm like, yeah, it fails all the time. It crashes. It's terrible. I need to do something else, but whatever, I'm used to it. So I don't have any cred when it comes to, like, the production side of things or the editing side of things. And I also do a bad job now of listening to podcasts because I don't have any more of the long lab work or the long field days where I'm just, like, hours and hours counting ticks or looking for ticks or something. And so I'm not as familiar with what's out there. But I am more keyed into the scientific communication scene, I guess, if anything. And I sure have now read a lot of popular science books, which is fun. So I can get a sense for what I, what I like and what I don't like. Maybe not what's good and bad, but at least I know my own sense of things better.
0: There we go. There we go. Aaron and Aaron, we've come to a point in the show called our podcasters picks. Now, this is when I asked the special guests of today's show to provide me with their top three favorite podcasts that they enjoy that we should be listening to. So between the two of you, I'm going to need one each from both of you and then come together for a podcast. You're like, yeah, this is this is our jam.
2: I had to pull up my phone because I was like, what do I what do I listen to nowadays? (laughs) So bad.
0: (laughs) And take your time, too, because we can we can edit. So take your time. There's no pressure.
2: Perfect. One of my favorites is Song Exploder. Which is each episode breaks down talks with the you know the musician or the band that made the song and breaks down like the history of it and with the different little production elements and I just find those little micro histories so or like micro studies so fun and interesting and I love music so it's it's a fun little it like insight into the mind of the artist.
0: Aaron's thinking.
2: I know. Do you want me to tell you one, Aaron? You know, I know which one you're gonna you're gonna pick. I know. Because here's the thing. I also... I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking.
1: She always <laughs> does. I know. I also do a bad job of listening to podcasts lately. So my favorite, whenever I can go back to a podcast just to jump in any episode when I'm feeling in the podcast mood, is Ologies, which is a fantastic podcast. It's hosted by Ali Ward. She interviews... All different kinds of people who have all different kinds of jobs that all end in ology. So everything, like any kind of ologist that you can think of, not only strictly scientific or what you would think of as scientific ologists, It's super fun. She's a great interviewer. Every guest is phenomenal. Uh, it's a really fun podcast.
0: <laughs> now, what's, what's going to be the joint third pick?
1: Aaron? is it?
2: What's it going to be? <laughs> MFM? Behind the Bastards?
1: I don't listen to. to I've never, no, never. <laughs> the <laughs> Good Place the
2: podcast. Do we do we have any more shared? Uh, this American Life, Snap Judgment, no. The Mom Daily, the Daily. <laughs> the Daily.
1: <laughs> I don't listen to any of those you guys. <laughs> what, what do you listen to? Oh, lately I've been listening to Code Switch and the 10 minute NPR News one. What's that one called? At first, up yeah, up yeah, first. yeah, yeah. That's so boring. That's
0: yeah, so but but boring. it's it's efficient.
1: It's efficient, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it's not meant to be fun.
1: <laughs> no. no, I don't know what we want to. I was gonna say we could shout out. We could shout Yo, out. A oh, the
0: there we go. There we go. That's 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 perfect. That's what that's I perfect. was thinking.
1: Uh, I think we want to shout out a friend's phenomenal podcast, Aaron, Which one?
0: We can only pick one. <laughs> See, we have so many friends was, with podcasts.
1: So, I know. <laughs> I well, know. since we
2: are going to be speaking to Matt later. Let's shout out In Defense of
1: Plants," which is a phenomenal podcast. If you think you're not into plants, you could Ooh, be into okay. plants. Yes, yeah. okay. Each so each episode, <laughs> he
2: interviews a different plant biologist or someone who works somehow tangentially with plants and talks about their work with them, and it's really fascinating. And I think what What listening to it has done and what we sometimes do crossover episodes with Matt, we'll talk about a plant poison and say, like, why does this plant produce this poison in the first place? Why later we're talking about why does this plant produce caffeine? Why? What's the purpose? And so then it you sort of the plant we he calls it plant blindness so a lot of people have plant blindness where we don't see the you know the amazing uh, world of plants and the relevance to humans and and all of that so it's a great podcast he's a really good interviewer there's a huge backlog of episodes and a um yeah he's he's awesome
0: nice yeah shout out to Matt
2: Shout out to Matt
0: Matt the homie <laughs> <laughs> and and Aaron and Aaron before we get out of here Why do you podcast?
2: I love telling the story. I love playing a public health role, even though I'm no longer a public health professional. And I also just, I think that I would be doing this even if no one listened.
1: (laughs) Same. I love it. What Aaron said, but also because it's fun. Mm-hmm. That's that's my main, especially because like times are crazy right now, and it's very like work life is stressful. But this is still, even though it's work, it's fun, and so that is what makes it worth it for me.
0: Wow, Aaron and Aaron, thank you guys so much for being the guest on OPP. This podcast will kill you. Is on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and I really appreciate you guys being in the show. You guys rock. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. This was super fun. I
0: don't have a quarantini, but I do have this white claw.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, account. Account. Yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of O P P, and to our special guests Aaron Welsh and Aaron Allen Updike. Remember to check out their amazing podcast. This podcast will kill you on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. This episode was mixed by Compost Media. Music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake. And are you down with OPP? If so, please check out our website, opp.news, for the latest in podcast industry news, podcast reviews, and our latest exclusive interviews. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter as well. Well, I'm your host and the editor-in-chief of opp.news, Corey Cambridge, signing off. Till next time.